Welcome. You're listening to episode six of The Path to Performance, a podcast for everyone dedicating to making the web faster. I am your host, Katie Kavalson. And I am the other host, Tim Cadlick. So, Tim, how have you been? Haven't seen you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's been a little while, right? Yeah. We did the velocity thing and then just kind of chilling, enjoying that warm, sunny Wisconsin weather. Playing Nintendo, I hear. Playing Nintendo, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that was more your thing. I thought, what? What, how many hours did you spend playing Donkey Kong? <laughs> I've, I've played, I've been playing a lot uh, on the Wii Virtual Console. I really want a Wii U. Is that like not cool anymore? Are they still cool? I, I don't know. I want one. I, I I would probably be the worst person to ask. I like the idea. I like the idea of video gaming, and I used to do it quite a bit. I like the concept. I don't do it so much anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, you actually, kids. you know what? Don't you play with them? I, like, well, not like, like video games. Well, you buy the video games for them, and then you play it with them, and then you can end up playing them. Right. Again, I like this concept. <laughs> I haven't I haven't actually executed it yet, though. Um, but that, I mean, it's a good idea, and I actually think that like I feel like that should be something. Because you could learn from like the games and how their animations happen and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. In fact, who? Oh no, no. There's this is legit. Because um, I somebody was just saying on Twitter or some sort of a chat somewhere. I don't remember where this came up, but somebody was telling me that uh, it was talking about perceived performance, and they were talking about how much perceived performance comes into play in game design, like yeah. they used to do, like the game design and how. They used to build like their animations of the characters so that they could have the animations take as long as needed to cover up for the latency. But at the same time, like the animations could also jut out really quickly if things came back quickly. So like they had perceived performance designed into the animations and stuff. And that, by the way, should be our next episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> anyway, this is legit. video games that can I come on the podcast? I mean, I could, I could figure out who I was talking to yeah. and, and have that person. That, that is like a thing. Um because I, I got really into playing Super Smash Brothers Melee in high school and that was that was the one on GameCube that was in it it had it's like it has a really good speed and people really like it because of like the pace that everything is animated um in the N64 version which a lot of people also love but I hate it because I got so used to playing at the animation speed of Melee and I'm just like oh my god 64 is so laggy I hate playing that and then it it was weird cuz Brawl, which is the one for Wii, is like a slower animation than the GameCube one, Melee. Um, but I think that they just like changed the physics of it to be different. It's not that the perceived performance is different. I don't know. There's just <laughs> different speeds for like the same game and you have your preference. Um, moral of the story, play Melee. Okay, so yeah, so there's two <laughs> takeaways here. First is that we have to do an episode on this perceived performance in game design, because that would be just darn fun. Yeah. Uh, and the second thing is that, yes, I think that we have both basically just made a business case for why everybody listening should be able to go to their boss and justify the purchase of a gaming system. And I don't know, what do you think, like five, six different games yeah. that they should be able to play on company time as research. Yes. Yes. Agreed to all that. Well, I don't know. That's like, I don't know. That's getting into like, we're such a cool startup because we have a kegerator and an Xbox kind of thing. What do you have against ke- what do you have against kegerators? No, I, mean, uh, I don't know. I mean, eh. No, I mean that's fair. That's fair. You know the like really typical like programmer. We love bacon and kegs and video games and 
Okay. And now you're insulting bacon. <laughs> I don't think bacon's that cool. What? No. We went from a new high for the podcast, <laughs> I felt, with like the game design stuff, to now a new low where we've insulted keg raiders and bacon. <laughs> I mean, I'm with you on the like the, the programmer thing, but bacon, Katie, bacon. It's like it's, it's, it's that's legit good. It's fine. I'm not gonna say no to it, but I don't like mm. lose my shit. Like it's like the best thing ever. Yo, let me tell you about something I did lose my shit over though. When I was just in Vegas last week, um, a group of me and my besties went to um, the Gordon Ramsay steak, and we like we split this one steak that we didn't know was gonna be <laughs> stupid expensive. We were just like YOLO Vegas, and we got it, and it was like some really fancy like Kobe steak, and they cut it into fourths so each of us could have literally one ounce bite, and it was <laughs> the best bite of meat I've ever had. <laughs> I wish I had more than one bite of it. <laughs> the best one ounce of steak ever. Yeah. And yeah, Justenia almost cried. She was like, it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Now I would um did Gordon Ramsay come out and like yell at you guys while you were eating? Okay. Some my feelings are on Gordon Ramsay. I know that he's like supposedly a monster. I don't know, but I've only ever watched MasterChef Junior, and he's mm-hmm. so sweet to those kids. I'm like, oh, Gordon Ramsay, he's he's such a cute, nice little chef guy. Like I don't I don't see any of the shows where he's like an awful human. So oh. I'm in my head, I'm like, oh no, that's the guy with the kids. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I actually don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't watch much of Gordon Ramsay, and I don't know anything. He could be a very sweet dude. I know that I would be happy to have him cook for me, though. That I do know, even if it was only a one-ounce yeah. steak. Yeah, I was. Yeah. That that was good. Would recommend. That's good. I would. I would okay. leave a positive Yelp review of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. all right. Just recommend like having a burger before or after as well. To. Well, no, I got other food too. That was that, oh, that was our okay. <laughs> that was our appetizer. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, I thought you were. I, I was picturing this four ounce steak coming out as like no, the main no, course. No, no, we, we all like they, so. Got it. They they bring a, a meat cart around. Um, what, like, like they, they wheel this cart of meat that has all mm-hmm. their different steaks around it. We got a picture with it. It's so good. But they'll show you like this is this cut of steak and you know tell you about the different ones. And so then like at the end of this little spiel about their meat cart, they pulled out this one and they were like, but this steak. And so we were like, and he's like, oh yeah, it's like all this stuff. And you know, we just totally fell for it. And we were like, uh yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll try that because he said like you know I can I can bring it out and cut it into fourths and you can all like try it. So we were like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so that was our steak I'm, appetizer for the steak dinner that we then had. <laughs> steak appetizers for the steak dinner. Yeah, and well, I, 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 I was perfect. vegan until uh, a couple years ago, so <laughs> <laughs> that's where I'm at in life. Oh, and see what you would have missed out on. I know. I'm with you. That, that's exactly what you have to do, though. How many times do you go to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant where you can have that sort of like with a meat cart and the steaks and all yeah. that? You have to do it. I also made him wheel back the meat cart before we left so we could get a picture with it. I did, I did see that. Because <laughs> like we were like signing our checks, like ready to go. And I was like, you never brought it back when I asked you to. And he was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. And I was like, well, could you do it? 
<laughs> did he legitimately forget? I don't, or, I, I don't it believe like, it. I think, I'm not, I think yeah. he just didn't want to wheel the cart back to us. This is not that kind of establishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're coming into Gordon's house treating it like Applebee's right now, and it's embarrassing. <laughs> uh, oh, that's awesome. Back to uh, uh, yeah, we 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 started off tying the first topic into performance. I'm not actually sure how well, we get stuck there, well, but that's cool. Programmers led into bacon not being cool, and then like I don't know, I was just trying to redeem myself by talking about meat. No, basically, you did. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. good. I think you pulled it off well. Say performance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, yeah, did you see you probably did you see the resource timing article that was out recently? I did see it. I glanced through it. It had a lot of cool. I think there was like a lot of really good tools listed in it of things like this helps you in this way. Exactly. Yeah, there were some great tools down there. Including like one of my favorite I think is from Mark Mark Siemens does this this uh this heat map thing. Did you see the perf map which is it shows you in colors where each how each block of your site loads and like which loaded first and last and it's super neat. Yeah. Um but yeah, the whole article is really good. It's by uh Nick Jansma, I think is his last name. I guess he's at Sosta and it is a really detailed look at resource timing. Uh what you can use it for, you know, how to get good metrics out of it. Um and then you know, at the end, yeah, he just walks through a ton of different open source tooling available, including, you know, like Andy Davies, who we've mentioned before, his waterfall thing, the the heat map thing. There's a lot of cool stuff in there. Yeah. And it's, some of it's very visual, too, which is nice versus, you know, the, the typical traditional kind of ugly tooling that sometimes <laughs> gets put out. There's some really well-designed tooling in that list, too, which is cool. We should get into well-designed performance tooling. We we should. Well, you should. You, you, you should. If I if I designed it, it would be Times New Roman text on a white background. I saw what does um, my site cost? That you put some thought into that. A little bit of thought. It, it took. It was hard. It was hard though. I had to pick colors and stuff. Anyway, you did it. Cool. Um, so yes, yeah, so you should get into that. So there's a that video that you sent me. That's pretty cool uh to service worker jake. or something that i just learned about and it sounds awesome yes jake archibald's video it is that it's it's an awesome video it's just it's really well done it's just it's one of those things where yeah it's like it, he, he explains it well um with examples all the way through you know, he, he basically takes an app and starts with it's rendered entirely on the client. Now let's move to server rendering. This is the improvement we get. Now let's add service workers. Now let's add, like he just step by step walks through and shows you what how to do it and and what the improvement was. Um, and by the end, he's got like a super fast web app. And despite the fact that service workers can maybe be a little bit of an intimidating topic, it's done and the whole video is done in a way that's entertaining and hilarious and easy to understand and full of pictures of zoo animals. I like animals. Animals are good. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's it, it, so definitely anybody who's looking to get into the service worker stuff. I mean, Jake is really the probably the person pushing them the hardest. Um, but that video is it's fantastic. Super fun. Cool. I'm jealous. I wish I was entertaining like that. 
Thank you for the silence. You're supposed to jump in there. No, no, that's where you as the other co-host is supposed to be like, no, Tim, that's fine. You're actually very entertaining. And I, I then I like do the humble shrug off. Oh, well, thank you for mentioning that, Katie. Um, I, I know. I was like, oh, I cool. was sitting here like, should I walk into this? Should I comment more well, on the video? Should no, I? No, that's, yeah. Uh-huh. All right. Let's move along then. No, Tim. I, I just saw, well, no. no, I didn't get to watch both of your Don't presentations, but I saw one, and no, you, you are, can't do you are entertaining, but you, can't do you missed my, um, whatever the, the slide improv thing was, and yeah, the, the karaoke I failed, I failed at being entertaining there, so we're... Uh, that's all right. My first, I did a karaoke presentation one time, and I was abysmal. The only thing, the only thing that saved it was that it was at the, uh, it was late into the party when everybody was doing it. So everybody watching was well intoxicated at the moment. So yeah, yeah, that's a good, so it saved me from being a complete and utter failure, but you know, (laughs) at least I didn't get booed off the stage, like nothing like that. But anyway, performance. Yeah. Yeah. Back to our podcast, back to our, our regular spiel. Yeah. So we want to, those are both like the resource timing article is, is excellent. The video is excellent. Um, definitely check those out. But I think we're going to kind of keep the intro pretty short this week because we have a pretty lengthy email or <laughs> email. <laughs> we have a pretty lengthy interview. Yeah. And it's full of really good stuff. Um, so, yeah, let's go hear a little bit about some agency performance culture. Sounds good. And we're back with Matt Schull from Aristotle Interactive. Um, Matt actually reached out to us by sending us an email with a really cool story about uh, how he was able to get performance integrated into his organization. So we're going to let Matt uh, sort of tell his story. Welcome, Matt. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, so um, I came to Aristotle back in December 2014 and started, I've been doing a lot of freelance stuff up until that point through the several years. And um, one of the things that I've just kind of really been diving into is web performance over the last few years and how to make websites fast and how to make that user experience um, phenomenal for the users. So one of the things that coming into this job that I was really harping on and really excited about was bringing web performance to Aristotle Interactive. And they had been doing a lot of um, kind of page load time metrics, and but using just that metric to measure performance. And so when I came in, one of the things that I started just kind of talking to people about was web performance and some more meaningful metrics, such as time to first byte, uh, speed index, and page weight. And those three metrics are kind of the three metrics that we've kind of base our performance budgets on. Um, So coming in, there wasn't really a performance team. It was just kind of an afterthought more of in the QA process after we've gone through months of creating the website and the wireframes and the mockups, then developing these incredible websites. And and some of our clients are actually um, some very large clients and a lot of tourism websites, um, so like Gulf Shores or Arkansas. Dot com and um, and then even the Elvis Presley Graceland.com is one of our 
um, clients as well. And so they're websites that get a lot of traffic and, and they're websites that a lot of people, it's pretty demanding that they want the information as fast as possible. Um, and so we just started looking at some of the performance metrics, like we talked about time to first byte and speed index and page weight for these websites. And we noticed that it wasn't up to par as it should be. And so we just kind of threw together a team. Um, this is something that I started heading up at Aristotle Interactive, and they just kind of let me run with it. Um, so through this team, we've been going through and taking a look at our existing websites and saying, you know, how can we make these metrics better for these existing customers? But then also with these new projects coming in um, each month, how do we make sure that upfront we set these performance budgets and we make sure that they're um, built from the ground up um, being performant. So you mentioned in your email about things that you you started doing with that team, having them sort of review best practices and teaching them about those best practices and including them in design reviews and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about what that whole process looks like? Yeah, it kind of looks different for different people. Like whenever I started talking to uh, different people about performance, there were some people that were just like, oh man, this is this is just, this is how it should be. Like we should be doing this from the beginning rather than at the end. And so they were very excited. And so they were like, give me every blog that you can find on web performance. I want to read all the information and and all the books that you can find. And uh, Laura Hogan's book on designing for performance, I, I, you know, a few months ago, got done reading that. And, and so I've been passing that out to people. Um, but then there were some people that weren't so up for it. You know, some people are like, well, we've done it this way, you know, all these years, and this is what's been working. Um, why kind of deviate from that? And, um, and, and for those people, it ended up we needed to show them data to say, look, this does make a difference. Um, and so we, different people require, I think, different uh, ways of teaching them why performance matters. And, um, but eventually it all, they all come to the same conclusion that yes, this is important. And yes, this is something that we should be more attentive to. I'm curious, you, you were mentioning the, the, uh, the three metrics that you chose. I'm curious how yeah. you got to those metrics. Like, why did you choose those metrics? And did you choose amounts for those that you were going to target, like across all your projects or was it per client? Like, I guess, how did you arrive on those specific metric types? Yeah, so we, we're we in the process actually right now of, of determining um, in the discovery phase of each project that comes in, we want to set certain goals, whether that be SEO goals um, or different, different goals like traffic goals, but we also want to do performance goals. And when, I've, when we first started, we were like, okay, you know, brochure type sites that are just informational. Um, we want to do, you know, the time to first byte should be a grade A for um, whatever webpagetest.org shows. And then also speed index should be 1,000, um, you know, give or take, you know, a couple hundred. Uh, and then also page weight should be no larger than one megabyte. And for our tourism websites, we did a 1,500 speed index and a 1.5 second um, or, or a, one, a 1,500 page weight and 1,500 speed index. So... Why the difference? 
So the difference is majority of the time, um, the tourism websites just had more content on their pages. Um, there were different things like one, one customer we're working with right now, they want a video background instead of this big hero header image. They want a video um, that plays automatically like you see on some sites today. And so um, there's different things that, you know, tourism websites, they want to be more flashy. They want to be, um, have more content and especially with different prom- promotionals on the page, um, on that main page, they just have a lot more content. So we, that's why we gave them more um, of a budget than others. And this kind of worked for a little bit, but we started noticing that it wasn't probably the best way to go about it. Um, and, and even with existing websites, I'll tell you this too, the existing websites, we tried to set those same standards. Um, and for an, a few of our websites, they were way off. And so we were like, oh man, what, you know, what's going on? And of course, we'd see that the time to first bite was high on one of ours. So we thought, well, there must be something server side or the connection side that's causing it to be uh, like that. And um, so our existing sites, we're not necessarily able to just drop everything and fix all these existing sites. And so it's kind of an ongoing basis. Um, And so for a developer or for a designer, whenever you see that um, and you see that you're not hitting the metric, even though you've made all these improvements and all these changes, it can be a little disheartening. Um, And so recently, just a couple of weeks ago, we were in the performance meeting um, and what we decided to do was the 20% rule, which um, is talked a lot about. And so for existing um, people, you know, existing clients, what we do is take their existing website and say, you know, look at the time to first byte, speed index, and page weight, and we're going to set a goal of of reducing it by 20%. And then if needed, after we reach that goal, we'll do another 20% until we get to where we feel it needs to be for that particular client. Um, And and it helps a lot more with kind of morale, too, because the developers and designers, they get these smaller goals that they can hit, and then they're like, okay, yeah, this is this is working. This is going great. Um, so that's kind of been our process as far as determining what the performance budget should be. Um, like I said, we've tried to find more meaningful metrics for these websites at, in the discovery phase. Um, and so like you know, something like time to first tweet like Twitter does or something like that, we just haven't necessarily found those yet, but we're still exploring that. So you have performance meetings what are those like yeah those are um, interesting because it it brings together um, people from different departments one of the things I wanted to make sure of whenever we started a performance team um, it wasn't just people that were just fanatic about web performance I wanted people that were probably going to be skeptical of you know each thing because I wanted to make sure that we did the right thing to make a website more performant so um, we, we brought together people from um, the design department, the development department, um, so a designer, a programmer. We also brought um, a, a, our, we have a hosting service as well. So we actually host websites, we design them, we develop them, um, and we're an internet service provider as well. So um, we've got people from all different departments that come together and create this team. Um, and it's been really cool to see people kind of latch on to this idea of performance. Um, whereas, you know, when we first started, they were kind of skeptical and just like, 
do we even really need to be having this team meeting? Like, you know, this is just another meeting. Um, but now they're very involved. Um, and so what we do is we we have a tool that I developed that measures um, real data, real user data and synthetic data. And we um, have this big dashboard and we take a look at each of our sites and we say, here's the sites that we worked on over the past week. Um, here's the performance wins that we have. And um, we love to celebrate those wins with our developers and our designers. Um, and then we take a look at maybe the sites that did not go well or that all of a sudden spiked up and um, our system's able to tell us, you know, this this website is spiked, the speed index spiked by a thousand over the past week. So we can take a look at that and see what went wrong or, you know, usually most of the time um, what it is is a client has uploaded um, in an image rotator, they'll upload this huge three megabyte image for some reason. Um, and so we we like to, we'll then call the client and say, hey, we noticed this jump in your uh, metrics. We'd like to help you uh, fix that. So um, it's it's really amazing. Like I'm, I'm very much enjoying working with the team um, to work on existing clients and new clients. Do the clients use this tool as well, or is it mostly just internal for you to monitor it? Yeah, it's just internal for us to monitor it. Um, we are we have a service where you know they can um, use this service and you know have us monitor these uh, metrics, and then every month they get a week or a monthly report of the performance wins, you know things that um, got better, and then also um, we we use other tools um, such as New Relic to kind of monitor the back-end performance as well and and take a look and see what errors are happening and and we suggest maybe some things that we should be working on over the next month or so. So are these reports that you give them, are they things like, do they say, you know, your speed index went down 200 points or your, you know, time to first bite went down, you know, 100 milliseconds or whatever it is, or do you take that a step, are you tying that somehow to their business analytics for their site in any way. Yeah, we are. Um, one of the things um, we're using is another software to kind of bring together those business analytics and just the SEO analytics. And then we take the information from the performance dashboard um, and meld those together to bring the report. Um, and, and another thing that I really like to do is, is to show them the graph of the speed index just dropping like a rock. Um, that's <laughs> one of the coolest things is to be able to show them that. And so, um, and, and they respond very well to that. Um, and because they're like, oh, okay, you know, I am noticing my, my site be a little bit faster. And, and, um, and yeah, they definitely appreciate the, um, the, the graphs and um, being able to spell out what it is that was um, fixed so that they just, you know, they it's it's funny because customers care so much about performance. They just don't know, you know, they know why. They just don't know what to care about. And so we love educating the client to say, um, you know, one of the things is telling them that, you know, total page load time doesn't necessarily tell us anything. And so we tell them why speed index is important and why page weight is important. Um, and even show them tools um, like um, that what a web page test recently added that tool to see how much it costs to view that page on a mobile device. And so um, that type of analytics, they just really respond well to. Very cool. Um, yeah, 
I happen to like that tool for <laughs> completely unbiased reasons. Yeah, Tim knows a thing or two about that tool. <laughs> yeah, yeah very, I know. <laughs> yeah, very cool. Um, so these 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 tools that you're using then that are doing the the business analytics and stuff. So is this built? By yourself as well. These are tools that you've built internally for everything, other than with the exception of like New Relic, for example. But the other tools that are pairing your performance metrics and business metrics are those custom built t- tools that you have in house. Um, there, the reporting um, and bringing together of the different information is done through Tableau, and it's something that um, I'm not very well versed on. But it's something that our marketing team they they know really well. And so I just hand them the performance data that has dates and different things. And then we'll also, um, in the dates, we'll include notes to say, you know, the image rotator was um, optimized on this day, or, um, you know, we changed to WebP images on this day um, when available. And um, and that way they can kind of tell um, when something got better and see if the business analytics, you know, um, did better after that time. Yeah, that's one other thing that you brought up in the email was that um, you've done a bunch of experiments around things like like the WebE uh, formats. Um, yeah. Do you have any cool things, to, uh, cool stories, or cool impacts to to discuss on some of those experiments? Like, for example, the WebE um, experiment. How did that go, and what was the what was the takeaway there, or the gain? Yeah, it was um, it was really interesting. We uh, a friend at work and I uh, wrote a blog for David Walsh about WebP images and kind of what we found um, in our experiments. And and we really, we wanted to look at image quality and we wanted to look at implementation and how to use WebP um, today. And so what we found was that um, there are certain times and certain images that it really does make a difference. And so one of our clients recently um, that I've, I'm a project manager at Aristotle. And so um, I do a lot of project management, but then kind of as a side deal, I do the performance stuff as well. And so one of the clients that I've been working with had this um, main page rotator, um, and it had some parallax on it, um, which is not really the best for performance, but uh, we're working on that too. Um, but we we had this image that had, it was a ping image that had this fade at the bottom of it. Um, and it was like 600 or 700 kilobytes. And so I had approached our designers about WebP and I was telling them, you know, showing them the data that Google had given and even looking um, to eBay, you know, had been using it. Um, we were using WebPageTest to kind of test eBay to see how it worked for them. And and um, and the designers really um, jumped on this and really, you know, loved the idea of WebP. Um, and be, not being a designer, um, I, I know very little, but they talked a lot about the alpha channel. So I heard that thrown around a lot. Um, but so we tried WebP and that 600 to 700 kilobyte image uh, for this particular instance went down to like 50 kilobytes, I think. Uh, yeah, 50 kilobytes. It was between 50 and 60. And they were just amazed. And so they were looking at image quality and there were different um, pl- places where the artifacts were different. Um, but overall, um, it went really well for them. Their tests went really well. And of course, then I, after they were on board, I had to go to the developers and say, hey, you know, WebP isn't supported um, by anything but the Chrome browser and the Android for Chrome browser, but um, we'd like to start using this. And so 
that brought about the change of using the picture element, uh, which is something we weren't using here. And so there have been a number of discussions about the picture element and how to implement that. And, and, um, and so I did a study where I did four different use cases where um, I loaded just a normal JPEG and then I loaded the WebP using the picture element with a JPEG fallback. And then I also um, use server-side HT access code to um, load the WebP when available um, and a couple of different tests and, on how to implement it. Um, there was also a WebP polyfill um, that we used, and we actually found the WebP polyfill would actually um, serve the WebP image to all the browsers, to every browser. Um, the only only bad part was that on iOS, it downloaded the WebP image three times for some strange reason. So, um, so we've been looking into that, and we've kind of come to the conclusion that the picture element's kind of the way to go. Um, and so we've started implementing implementing the picture element in our new projects for our new clients and and are kind of coming up with a plan to implement it for our existing clients as well. Um, but overall, it's been very good. And of course, um, we had to show that it was a worthwhile um, task to start doing all this. And so we did a lot of testing um, and some testing on an existing client to show that it was um making the web page perform better. Do you have any um, data offhand of what you've kind of learned in the exper- those experiments? I don't offhand. A, a lot of the information that we have, um, and of course from the design aspect, um, my friend Adrian would be able to talk more about that. I I did a lot of the implementing um, tests, but um, that David Walsh blog um, talks about everything that we found in that. Um, and so I don't know if we could put that in the footer notes or something. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, but we, um, but as far as implementing it, we, like I said, we found that um, the WebP polyfill actually did fairly well and it implemented WebP for all the browsers. Um, but as, in terms of future proofing, that's not going to be the best route. So um, what we're planning on doing is um, using the WebP polyfill. For, for now, but we're moving towards the picture element and using it through that. And really, once Firefox or Safari or um, Microsoft Edge, if they jump onto WebP, then we definitely want to start implementing the picture element and not use the polyfill at all. So that's kind of our plan of attack for right now. What a, um, a huge example of how uh... It, why it's so important to have everybody involved on the project invested in performance. I mean, it sounds like a simple experiment, like an innocent question at the beginning, like what would you, or, you know, what happened with your WebP experiment? And then, you know, hearing that it, you know, how you had to, you had to make a case for it by, you know, by tying it right. to analytics, you had to get the designers to walk through and be, you know, and, and get on board with that. You had to get it involved with the developers. And then there was the follow-up with the picture element. I mean, you know, that's a, you know, what on the surface seems like a simple change, but everybody involved in the projects are, are touching these things, which is why you have to get everybody together. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's and it's important, especially because, I mean, developers, as a developer, I, you know, once I start doing something, I kind of get in that mode of, okay, this is how I'm doing it. And, um, and so it's just been a process of, you know, especially with the developers, just having them say, hey, let's experiment with this and, and letting them really run with it, not, you know, leaning over their shoulder and saying, here, now do this, now do this. It's really um, letting them kind of run with it and experiment a little bit um, and, and have that time 
and and then they come to that conclusion on their own of yeah this is actually really cool because now we can you know serve up responsive images you know and and um, and it kind of caught on like wildfire once they started working with it. So I know that um, you said you can't speak as much to the design side of it, but what were some of those other exciting things that clicked for designers about WebP or just any of this performance stuff in general? Yeah, um, one of the one of the things I do remember that my friend Adrian um, was talking about was that whenever you compress, um, you know, take the quality of a JPEG down really low, um, it was kind of blotchy um, in terms of, you know, it was kind of some hard edges on um, kind of artifacting. But on the WebP image, when you took it down, when you took the quality down pretty low, it was actually kind of smooth and it smoothed out um, those hard edges and those lines. And he was excited about that. Um, one of the things we found that WebP didn't do so well on was keeping textures. Um, so very detailed textures tend to not work um, for WebP. But um, in terms of you know having an image of a person with a you know sky background and they're doing something, you know they're at the mall or something um, and compressing that image, um, it did really well. And then of course, adding an alpha channel, um, it it worked really well in terms of compressing um, with the alpha channel as well. Um, and then the lossy compression um, held up on its own, it said, you know, it did fairly well. Um, and then lossless, um, you know, created, it reduced the size of the image quite a bit. But um, the biggest performance wins that we found with WebP were those images of um, kind of the hero images that you would use on the main page of a website. Um, now, in terms of you know smaller images that are already 100 kilobytes, there wasn't really much improvement we found. But on those big hero images, um, you know you'd be you might be saving you know hundreds of kilobytes using WebP. So, um, it, and it's really in our process and, and the way that we want to um, approach it is kind of on a case by case basis. It's not just like a, you know, one size fits all, but it's um, the designer kind of talked about it as another tool in the arsenal. Um, and so um, you may look at, you just have to, you, you know, do some testing and, and really see, is this the case for WebP or not? Um, and then kind of go from there. And then the artist tells the developer, hey, these images are going to be WebP just so that they know um, how to implement them. Very cool. Along, yeah. Along the design side of things, you you had talked a little bit to us ahead of time about um, some of the stuff you're doing for around perceived performance and, and, and actually measuring it through SEO sort of related analytics, which was interesting. Could you kind of dive into that a little bit? Because perceived performance is a big thing right now, but it's yeah. also a young thing that we, we could use a little bit more information on, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the things we are experimenting with right now is when we make these performance um, optimizations, what effect does it have on SEO and, and um, you know, how long the people are staying on the page and um, how many visitors are kind of, you know, does it increase traffic? Does it um, increase time on page? Um, and so we've kind of been taking um, that approach of, um, using web page tests, um, you know, we have our own private instance here um, and using it to look at the video 
um, and the frame-by-frame shot um, just to kind of see what the user experience is like um, as the page is loading. Um, And so from there, we found there was one client that we had that the main page image rotator at the top of the page, the images weren't loading until after everything had loaded. And for whatever reason, this had happened. And so we said, well, let's take a look and make change this so that the images load at the very you know beginning instead of after everything else loads. And so we did that and the speed index for the um, site dropped from like, I wanna say it was seven seconds to like two seconds. And so there was like this dramatic change. Um, and so we said, you know, I, I told our marketing and SEO team, I said, this is the date that we did this, you know, let's take a look over the next few weeks and see if it helped at all. And it actually did. Um, it reduced the bounce rate for the website, um, and it also helped the time, uh, total time on the page um, and how long they stayed there. So um, it was pretty interesting to see that and to see that it made um, you know quite a bit of difference for their analytics. Um, so it's something that we're still working on that we still um, are trying to you know play around with a bit. Um, but it's definitely interesting. And of course, now with the perceived performance, we're, we're taking a look at, you know, loading above the fold CSS first and then the other CSS later. And I'm seeing how, you know, if that makes a difference. Um, and so it's been a lot of fun to be doing these experiments and see what happens. Wow, that's that's awesome. So you took it from like 7,000 to 2,000 for the speed index. And um, and what was the, the bounce rate gain? Did you have a, a number with that or no? I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but um, I think it dropped. I want to say seven to ten percent, somewhere wow. in that range. Um, yeah, so it it did enough to make a difference, and and for our team to notice, um, we were very very excited about that. And and of course, then we're also wanting to make sure that nothing else is kind of happening during the same time that we made these optimizations to make sure. Um, and and we didn't see anything um, that happened along the same timeline as that. So um, we're kind of structuring these tests now so that we make sure that there's no other factors that go into this, um, and and it's paying off um, quite a bit. So very cool. I would say, Matt. By the way, that if you haven't already considered doing so, that would be an awesome article case study to write. Yeah. Um, just yeah, we, we actually we're working on that right now. Yeah, okay, we're yeah. working on that right now, and and uh, I'm trying when to see what that is. We talked earlier before recording. You mentioned some of the pitfalls that you had encountered. Can you you talk a little bit about some of the struggles and how you overcame that? Because um, I think they'll probably resonate with a lot of people that are trying to do this now as well. Yeah, we had a number of pitfalls um, that that came about. Um, and of course, some of them were performance related. Some of them were kind of team related and getting everybody on board to um, caring about performance. But one of the things that we do at Aristotle is, of course, have a CMS for our clients to manage the content of their website. And so we tried finding a new CMS that would be able to handle tons of data because we have, especially on our tourism websites, we have tons of data coming through these websites with all the listings and um, different information. So um, there was this one particular CMS that we tried and 
we kind of put all of our eggs in that basket and it ended up not working out. Um, the, the data did not hold very well at all. So um, one of the things that we've been doing over the last um, several months is trying to find a CMS that can handle all that data and still perform well. Um, the problem with the last CMS was that it just, it injected a, t- a lot of code into our code. Uh, we basically had to break it in order to get it to perform well. And even then it wasn't performing like we wanted it to. And so um, we've been through the process of finding this new CMS and and we found a couple. Um, one is Umbraco and one is Kineco. And they've done very well in just kind of getting out of the way and letting our developers um, do what they do best and it doesn't inject any code um, and so we have complete control over the code Um, and so in terms of performance we're able to really structure the site like it needs to be um, instead of instead of having the cms get in our way Um, and so that's been one pitfall um, that we've kind of um, come up against Um, so i would i would say to anybody that's um, kind of looking for a CMS, and and if you're at a company that has a CMS for your clients, be sure that um, you ask those questions of, you know, does your CMS inject any code? Is your CMS um, performant, you know, on its own? Um, And then how does it handle the data? You know, making sure that, you know, the calls to the database um, are structured well. Um, So that's one pitfall, And, um, and of course, the other thing that I talked about earlier was um, just getting everybody's attitudes on board with make, knowing that performance was um, a big issue. And of course, it really helped a lot um, seeing these reports. You know, um, Google got caught with the slow tag and all of a sudden everybody was like, oh my goodness, what what is going to happen? Um, and of course, we don't know kind of what Google is measuring that off of. Um, but we know that, you know, site performance is going to be a factor in search engine rankings. And so that really resonated with the company and it really resonated with um, the, um, you know, kind of the people that were higher up in the company to say, hey, look, in the future, there could be this big red tag that says slow um, and discourage people from using our sites. We've really got to start now and get on the ball with making sure that all of our sites are performant and, and where they need to be. So those are just a couple of the pitfalls that we've run into over the last several months. Yeah, that'll be a, um, that'll be a huge thing if, if Google does indeed end up labeling the search results like they've threatened. Well, cool, Matt. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. This has been really insightful for learning how your agency has sort of adopted all of these performance practices and your experiments look really cool and we're looking forward to your blog post about it. Is there anything else that you want to share about your performance wisdom and experiences? Um, yeah, yeah. Performance <laughs> wisdom. Um, you know, I just kind of, I'm just learning as I go and uh, I enjoy learning and I enjoy the community. Um, you know, there's a web performance community. Of course, the community you guys started with that Slack um, has just been phenomenal. It's I love just sitting in there and and listening and and talking with others and um, and just the other day I was talking to Andy Davies about some pri- uh, web page test private instance stuff. So um, I would say just keep experimenting. Like if you're getting into performance, you don't know where to start. Just start trying to make your site faster. Start looking at the different blogs and 
and jump into the web page or the performance Slack and and um, check out webpagetest.org. I mean, that's just kind of how I got started. Um, and then from there, I just kind of started asking, well, what would happen if I did this? And and um, and then I just started writing different blogs about it and and just sharing what I learned. Um, and and that's what I I enjoy doing. So just keep uh, keep experimenting, keep sharing what you've learned. Even if, you may not think one of the things that um, when I started doing blogs was I was like, well, you know, nobody's going to want to read this. But um, something that um, somebody once said was that you know you may not think that anybody's going to want to read it, but there's tons of people behind you that don't know this stuff yet that are going to want to know this information. And so um, just start blogging, start writing about what you're doing, and start sharing in the different communities. Great. So, uh, Matt, if people want to follow along with you and and the performance improvements you are making, um, where can they do that? Yeah, I'm very involved on Twitter, so I tweet a lot. I retweet a lot. I think I retweet more than I tweet um, just from the different resources. And and um, one of the things that I do in my spare time is I teach front-end development and AngularJS uh, through a company called Thinkful. And so my Twitter is kind of, I tell people to go there to find um, different people to follow on Twitter so that they can start getting involved in the community. And so uh, the people that I follow there um, are a lot of developers and a lot of people that are kind of um, creating the standards of um, what we're doing today. And so um, so the Twitter handle is the Matt Shull. Um, and also I do a lot of blogging. Um, I don't have a blog, but there's different places that I, I write to, and so um, I've done a couple of posts on David Walsh's blog, um, one about WebP images and the other about measuring web performance, and so those are up as well. Um, and then I'm going to be speaking on about web components um, and even a little bit about performance of web components June 2nd at Future Insights Live in Las Vegas as well coming up. Very cool, and Katie will be there too, actually, so it'll be a yes. performance... Powwow. Yes. Yeah. I hate that we're talking at the same time, though, because I really <laughs> wanted to see your talk. But Multi-track events. Uh, <laughs> anyway, well, thank you, Matt. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Path to Performance podcast. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast through iTunes or on our site, pathtoperf.com. You can also follow along on Twitter at Path to Perf. Uh, we'd love to hear what you thought, so feel free to drop us a note on Twitter or leave a raving and overly kind review on iTunes. Uh, we'd like to read those. Uh, and if you'd like to talk about being a guest or sponsoring a future episode, feel free to email us at hello at pathtoperf.com. <laughs>